Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, and alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? What's cracking, bro? Happy New Year to you, man. 2023. Uh, excited about, you know, some of the things happening in, in the Sooner program and excited about our guest today, man. Little bro is a young, young lad, young king who uh, makes me proud and good to hear what he's got going on and some of the in, insight he's had in the program the last couple of years. I love it. And as D-Max said, we do have a special guest on today. This guy needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him a three-year starter at Oklahoma, 42 games with the Sooners, 193 tackles, three Big 12 titles, two college football playoff appearances, graduated with a master's degree and bachelor's degree in economics, ended up going to Stanford. I know you've told that story a bunch, D-Mac, about how you almost went to Stanford. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't already know, Mr. Pat Fields, uh, number 10 and number 24. How are we doing today, Pat? Oh, man, you got to say number 10, man, but... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> man, I appreciate y'all for having me though. And uh, you know, talking about the Sooner program and legacy and tradition, man. Crazy thing is me and me and D-Mac, we met in Vegas, you know, celebrating Roy and, and his Hall of Fame induction. And without even knowing each other, you know, personally, you know, he put his arms around me, treated me like a little brother, mentored me. Um and then the relationship just kicked off without there needing to be anything extra, um, just off the strength of us both playing for the Oklahoma Sooners. And I think if that doesn't sum up the program, man, I, I don't know what does. Man, I appreciate that. I'll say this. I didn't say it to you, but if you had ran out of Dodge and hadn't graduated and taken care of business and got that O-ring, it would have been a little different. So <laughs> definitely love, man. And obviously, man, Pat, I'm super proud of you, what you're, what you're doing, what you've done, uh, obviously carrying a torch as a, as a, we all legacies of the program. We both, both of us is I'm, I'm a youngster to Dante Jones. That's my big bro. You know what I'm saying? Those guys, those guys help me down. So, uh, man, we, this is what it is. It's a fraternity. Uh, people need to know and understand what it means to be a Sooner and have that interlocked on you on the side of your helmet. And you played a lot of ball, man. You shit, you played a ton more than me. Four, three, four seasons. And uh, I think you got, you know, I think you got a great story. And I'm excited to dive into that today and, you know, see what you got going on and 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 uh, check in with the Sooner Nation. They'd be glad to hear from. You. So let's let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Pat, let's start a little bit. You know, you're from the same area as, as I am up here in Tulsa. Um, I actually went to Jinx. I didn't tell you that before oh, the pod. Man. Yep. Uh, graduated in 09. But, uh, man, you're from the Tulsa area. And Tulsa, Oklahoma City, all of the kind of surrounding towns in Oklahoma. I mean, anybody who's an outsider listening to listening to this who has not been to Oklahoma knows that that there is only one program that that kind of stands above and that's Oklahoma when you were in high school was there thought of going other places was Oklahoma 
a destination that you had kind of on your radar early? What did that look like? No, nah, I think I was a, I was a sooner, you know, through and through. Uh, Stanford came into the picture and had the had Stanford been set up differently then because at the time they didn't allow early enrollees and whatnot. I think if they did accept them, I would have went to Stanford. But that's because of, you know, solely because of academics. But no, I was a sooner, you know, through and through. And I think just growing up in Oklahoma, it's hard not to be. Uh, and then growing up as a winner, you know, I mean, you know, from going to Jinx, uh, you know, you you won multiple state championships. You know what it looks like to come from a program with, with pedigree. And I think, you know, it was always a no-brainer with me in terms of going to Oklahoma. Man, let me follow that up real quick then. So who initially reached out to you from Oklahoma? Who were the people that you formed that early relationship with? Man, I would say, because uh, I had went down there to camp. And I had earned my offer through, you know, through the camp and and the people who reached out to me that obviously the coaches, it was, you know, Mike Stoops at the time, uh, Coach Bob Stoops, Coach Kerry Cook. But I think the ones who had the biggest impact on me and, you know, going back to what DMAC said earlier with fraternity is, you know, the Stephen Parker, you know, he was from Jinx. He's a he's a Tulsa legend, played at Oklahoma, four year starter, still in the NFL now. And like growing up and seeing Stephen, you know be one of the top rated safeties in the entire country, being the ESPN 300, make it to OU. That's what I aspire to be. So like mm. going to that camp, earning the scholarship, balling out, and then St- me and Steve creating a relationship from from then on, that was kind of like uh, what what really sealed the deal. Because I think what, what separates Oklahoma is that fraternity that DMAC talks about. Like the players recruit the next generation of players and the players take so much pride in, in – uh, pride in, in the program that they want to see that it's always meeting the standard. So I would say it, it was Stephen Parker that had the biggest impact on my recruiting, as well as, you know, Justin Burroughs and Trey Brown. What year was that when you went to that camp? 2016, man. 2016. 2016. Yeah. So, so, wow. so walk me through who the upper class, who were some of the guys, who were some of the guys that were juniors and seniors who you would say were some of the leaders of um, the pro, I mean, obviously Baker, and yeah. is that is that is that Mixon and and uh, P Ryan? Yeah. So whenever in 2016, Joe Joe was still there. P Ryan was still there. DD, um, Bay. Oh, wow. All those guys. So like that. Give me, the, give me some of the defensive guys. Who are some of the defensive guys? Defensive guys. You know, uh, I think nah. That was so Dom Alexander. That's another one of my big buddies. He's from the okay. Oklahoma. Booker yep. T. Guy. He finished in 2015, I believe. But at the time, 2016, it was Stephen Parker, it was Will Johnson, JT, Jordan Thomas, uh, up front. Who was it? Who was it that year? Uh, dang, Oboe was there. Oboe was there. That's okay. I got it. Got it. Okay, got it. That, that gives me. Yeah. That gives me some context. Got it. So you, I heard you say Broyles. Broyles yeah. was there then, and is just now graduating now. No, 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 no. So JB, J, Justin, and and Trey, they was uh, a grade above me in high school. So they was already committed to OU at the time. Got it. So yeah. they were also okay. That makes perfect right, sense. I right, right. say that brother played nine years. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. JB only older than me. No, I actually oh, had a chance man. to meet him in Norman. He's a good guy. He's a Bro, good guy. And I think you know JB got a, some some flack. Um, on, on social media, but like you talk about a dude who like loves the program or die for the program. Like I can't say enough positive things about JB. Like whenever I first got there to college, like he was the dude, like little bro, like, no, nah, we, we going, we getting this work right now. Uh, you know, even, even at times, you know, 
I thought he was crazy and hell. He may have been a little bit crazy, but I think had I not had, you know, that mentorship from him, I don't know if I would have known how to work at the level I needed to, to, to be uh, successful. Uh, so I can't say enough good stuff about JB, man. Let me, let me say something before you transition B, because I think what he just said is something powerful that a lot of fans don't consider, think about, or realize. I'm going I'm to be transparent and be honest. Is Justin Burroughs the best safety to come through uh, OU? No. But does every program like OU need that testimony? Yes. Right? So whatever we think about his play on the field or his contributions, and obviously today isn't about him, and I don't want to highlight him too much, I think the part that's important that a lot of fans miss, it goes over their head or they don't understand when you're building an, essentially an organization, a Fortune 500 company is what I like to look at our program as. Sometimes there are going to be glue guys who may, from a very uh, tangible standpoint, they may not be Roy Williams or Stephen Parker, but what value do they have behind the scenes and impacting guys like a Pat Fields and creating that fraternity where the next generation of studs we may have gotten a stud or three or seven based upon their interactions with him on campus, who we then got a turn a, a tangible turnaround on. And so I, I'm glad you spoke to that. And I, I didn't know that you were going to say it. Um, you know, I don't think anybody would say he was the best safety to ever come through the program, but who knows what his value is outside of just playing between those white lines and, and creating a program that is consistently going to be fighting for championships, going to be fighting, you know, having All-Americans, guys drafted into the NFL. And and I think that's important. And when people complain and they bitch and moan and they have all these negative things to say, they're not seeing that part which coaches see and coaches value. So I'm glad you said that. Wanted to speak to that and definitely respect that. Let me add one more thing real quick, too, because like you talk like you talking about a dude who knows the defense through and through from defensive line where they're supposed to be what 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 eye they're supposed to be in, stunts, so forth and so on. Like, people don't know because they've never been in the arena before. So, like, the arena, you never know what's going through people's heads. It's crazy amounts of adversity. It's fans yelling. A lot of times you may be rattling and and unease, whatever the case is, and you got a young guy out there playing, and here it is, JB behind him, like, hey, you got this one, this play, you're doing this, be aware of this, this is what the offense is coming, this is what we're getting out of this formation. So there's a level of peace that comes with – to other guys having him on the field because not only is he telling you what to expect out of this formation this look he's also telling you where you're supposed to be aligned that he recognizes whenever a guy looks a little bit rattled if a young guy is in there it's his first time playing and I, you you just can't put a price tag on on the amount of value that's created through that and i think uh people they, they've never been in the arena so they don't know you know but i think that jb he just adds so much value to the program i can't say enough good things about him yeah, I mean that that's such a piece of the puzzle that I mean really if you think about it you're you got 3 hours on Saturday and that's really what the fans see. They don't see every other hour all of the time that was that was put into the product that you do see on Saturday. Who's doing good in meetings, who's doing good in workouts, who's a leader. And all of that stuff is a, is so critical to you know, kind of the the chemistry or the the makeup of the team. So initially, so Coach Stoops was the coach when when you were initially offered in, in 2016. Yeah. Did you when when you arrived was was had Riley already taken over? Right. Yeah. So the crazy thing is, this is how it happened. Um, 
and you know how it is like being from Oklahoma, like, like once you commit to like OU, like you're the man, like everywhere you go. So like whatever camps you at, whatever the deal is, like everybody all eyes on you. So I was fortunate enough that me, Trey Brown, and Jordan Kelly, we was all at the same school. So how it played out, me and Jordan, Trey was a grade above us, so he's already gone. Me and Jordan were at TU team camp. Cause you know how it is like in spring ball, you go to the team camp at TU or wherever it is, and you know, you get it cracking. And everybody's like coming up like, uh, Bob Stoops retired, Bob Stoops retired, blah, 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 blah. And then me, and they're just looking at me and Jordan like, we're supposed to know what it is. Um, and I remember Steven, Steven Parker, he had called me and he was like, hey, little bro, this is how it's going to be. You know, Link is taking over. Don't be uneasy with anything. Like, if you need anything, I got you. If you need to know about how Coach Riley is as a person, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Steve, like, FaceTimed me as soon as I got back to my phone. Um, so talk about relationships and a bunch of other stuff. That's how it ended up playing out for me. We was at that team camp whenever we had got the news. Wow. So yeah. when you, in your first year um, under under Riley in, in that respect, what was the experience like? Did did it feel like things were were running smoothly when you arrived? Like like the machine itself was, was sort of in place, you know, offensively, defensively, and that there wasn't much, I guess, uncertainty would be the word or, or confusion. What was the the vibe that you got in that first year? Right. I think um, to that point in, in Coach Stoops, he said it plenty of times. Um that the program, the, the the University of Oklahoma is bigger than any one player, one coach, whatever the case is. No matter who's at the reins of it at the particular time, it's it's always going to, you know, operate like a well-oiled machine like OU does. So I never felt any of that uncertainty or, or any of that. I will say over my four years, I think I really did see Coach Riley blossom into like the great head coach he was in terms of his process and his approach to things, like what his particular model was. Um, and you know, each summer and each off season, you saw him add more things. And I, and I, and I think I truly got to see coach Riley grow and develop a lot as a head coach in my four years. Let, let me speak to that little bro. Let me speak to that. What, what would you, what would you say? And I got a follow up question after this, but what would you say is the biggest differences <clears throat> between a Bob Stoops ran program and a, uh, um, Lincoln Riley ran program from the player's experience? What, what were so, some of the things that you would notice see that were different? It's difficult because I never actually got to play with Bob, so I can only speak. I don't know if I can give the best perspective on that. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Okay, so give me talk about the uh, no, that makes perfect sense. Talk about the transition from where where your your first year was seventeen, eighteen. Your first wow. Okay, so you are you're you're Baker's last year or you're Kyler's last year? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with uh I'm K one J Her. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so you're you 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 didn't even play with Baker because Baker was 17 uh, against Georgia. You weren't in that game. Okay, nah. perfect. Walk me through the program and any type of changes you saw because I'm getting to a second question. It's a little more provocative, but I want you to start with this one. Walk me through how your experience was with Riley, essentially in his second season as a coach. To you essentially left the program around the time he left the program. So what were some changes you saw during that progression? So, oh man, cause you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I got, I'm careful what I say. Cause I got, I got loyalty to everybody. So I, I, I never want to say anything that makes people seem, seem bad. And I think, can I, people, can, I can I interrupt you and, and ask for a favor of you? Yeah. What's up? What's you up? Just simply tell the truth. 
Yeah, I, I don't want you to hate on nobody. <laughs> I just want you to tell the truth. That's all I want you to do. Okay. Um, I, w- I would say with Coach Riley, what I, what, I, what I thought he did a really good job of, and it's also a byproduct of having Coach Grinch, they really focus on the process side of things in the sense of, like, they made – they made our program like a blueprint or a formula. Like, so you come in in the morning, these are your morning workouts. And then everything from the rest of the day is structured. Like you have a position group leader. So like I was that for the DBs. I'm bringing the DBs in, in the, in the afternoon, we're doing film study. We're going through plays, getting up on drum boards, going through the defense. We're doing um, footwork drills by ourselves. We got like a list of drills that was given to us or recommended drills by, through, that was given to us by Grinch or an IGA. And then we had like an extra weightlifting session with Coach Wiley, like hidden, you know, biceps, triceps, you know, shrugs, kind of just like a quick pump. And then we had recovery stuff as well. So I think that structure that, they, that Coach Wiley created and he provided, it did a good job of like creating this ownership of like your process. So for me, it's like, you know, I had a hernia in uh, my last year. So it's like, okay, I got to, I've been taught how to recover in the right way. And I, these are the things that I need to add more emphasis or value to, or like coach Grinch comes in. He's like, okay, if you can't lift 225 X amount of time, don't even expect to be on the field. So if I'm a guy, you know, coach is putting me up to NFL standard. How much do I need to improve my 40? How much do I need to prove my five ten five vertical uh, bench, so forth and so on. So I, I would say that's kind of one of the bigger things that I appreciated. Um, that Coach Riley and, and Coach Grinch implemented. Okay, now walk me through again. Give me the give me the truth lens. What are some areas where you saw some concerns or things that you were like maybe they were trending in a way? Because at the end of the day, he left the program, and like Bob right. said, the program is bigger than any coach. And I don't think this is a hate on Link because Link clearly went to 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 LA and you know with Caleb and the crew did well. But I, I also just want to have a critical lens and eye on everything. What are some areas where you were like, you know what, I, I don't I don't really agree with this? And maybe not that bad, but what are some things you saw that could be potential concerns? I guess that's the best way to say it. What are some concerns that you saw? Because I, from the outside looking in, let me just tell you, Bob Stoops is the head coach. I walk into town. I, I have all access from the moment I get to the stadium to the moment I leave the university. Now, Damian Mackey walks into town during Lincoln Riley's time at OU. I actually still had a great experience. I knew how to talk to people. I knew that I knew GT. I, I knew a lot of people still in the program who would take care of me, and I'm an assertive person. So I, but I saw a lot of my teammates from the transition literally stuck at the front door and, you know, told this is Fort Knox, you ain't welcome. And I don't know if that's a link thing or not. And I don't want you to personally speak to that but that's something that i have a critical eye on because that's not the ou way that's not how ou was when i was there and it's not how ou is again now that coach v is back it's an open door policy so i'm just interested to know what are some things that you may have seen and obviously we don't need you to air our dirty laundry we're not going to hit on our program but what are some things that you saw that you're like man you know what I, i from a critical lens this is something that i you know i see some concerns about uh so it's a, uh, that's a difficult one, man. Uh, I would say... Or was it perfect? Daffodils, unicorns, and rainbows, everything was like, you know, we are the world, we are the children. Well, was, was everything perfect? Or, or were there some things where you're like, you know what, there's just some areas we need to improve? Nah, nothing Nothing is ever perfect. Okay. And I think, I think the thing is, and also I want to say this before I say, say anything at all, like being at an institution like Oklahoma, like you're always taught to compete up. And yeah, it is like you always compare your benchmark is like the best of the best, like 
the number one, as opposed to many places and even some of my experiences, uh, not to get too much into it, like sometimes it's good enough to be like, oh, well, I mean, we we did better than this program. So like it it isn't the worst of the worst. Whereas like Oklahoma, if we weren't number one, we we considered it failure. So I'm, I'm speaking from that perspective. Man, much say, respect. Much respect. Yeah. I, I say the only thing or not the only thing. The thing that, that kind of like frustrated me the most sometimes is something that isn't unique to Coach Riley. It's something that every coach faces. Like sometimes your best players may not be the people who who represent the culture in the best way. And sometimes it's like, how hard do, am I going to be on this guy? Because without him, he's a major contributor to the team. And that hurts us on the field. But he also holds, this, holds uh, the culture hostage at times. So I would say that was kind of like my biggest frustration. I felt like we had some guys in a sense that could hold the program hostage in a sense of the culture and the way that they, they went about things and so forth. And that's not something unique to to Coach Riley, and, yeah. and, but that's something every coach has to face and every leader yeah. has to face as well. Um, but that was kind of like my, one of my bigger frustrations. But outside of that, man, because I don't – me personally, I don't want to get too deep into like specific things because your world, bro. Speak on how you want to yeah, speak on it. Yeah, like yeah, I'm really trying to. It's an with, indictment on him, man. I just want yeah, yeah. to know because not not that like I will say any information that will come across that way. It's like I know the 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 day and age that we live in. So like somebody could chop a segment out of this and then push it somewhere and say like, oh, I said this or oh, I said that. And I would say the way I operate, I'm like loyal to death with anybody that I've ever loved, anybody that I've ever spilled blood with. So coaches, players, anybody included. So I, I would never want to be in a position where something like that could happen. So that that's one thing I, I can't go too, too deep into just because of that. Can I say something to that though? What's up? You know how I interpret that? What's up? There are skeletons that remain in the closet. Just FYI, when you say that, <laughs> you're basically saying, I plead the fifth with a disclaimer says, oh, there's some stuff. And and, and again, look, we Sooners. And Link, Link did a lot of great for the program. This ain't even really about Link, more so about your experience in the program during yeah. the years, more so than just him. Because Buddy made 10 milli and went to the USC, and I'm cheering for him to lose every game, just FYI. <laughs> Just FYI, because I'm a Sooner. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I got to respect what he did for us. To, to, you know, back-to-back Heismans. Jalen was a finalist. You know what I'm saying? I mean, recruiting up. He he did some positive things. But I, I, I also, if you've listened to the pod, I'm going to keep it a buck. Bob's, my experience with Bob, my experience with Mike, my experience with my coaches, my experience and my thoughts to today. I like to keep it a hundred. And I think that, I, I let me say this. I went to Roy's deal, when, obviously, when we met. Coach V said he was a fan of our pod. And that's what matters to me. The current coach and program of our program, I don't know how much he listens to it. What I do know is he respects that I obviously am a steward of our program and I would right, never right. make our program look bad. You know, so that that was that's the craziest thing you could ever do. But I have built a reputation the last 10 years. And if people hear me open my mouth on any type of social media platform or whatever, I'm gonna tell the truth. I just like calling a spade a spade, but I I respect how you how you address that. I I respect how you address it. Now I'm gonna ask you the provocative question now. I I ask and I wanted your opinion. What do you think was the primary reason Link left? The primary reason Link left. Uh, Don't you say ten million dollars because that's the obvious one. But outside of that, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, and I think 
Cause maybe, cause maybe I had a little bit better relationship with him than others would, but like, I don't think people realize how much of a competitor coach Riley was. Cause he's not, he's not like a coach that's going to like be cussing you out or he's not a coach that has like a strong presence in the sense that he's like military, like, and, and, you know, people come, he comes around you and, you know, like pull up your britches and, and, and that type. So I think people don't realize how much of a competitor he is, but like just seeing him in real time, like. I remember whenever we would lose, it'd be like the most sickening thing in the world to him. You know, he would, he maybe would fly back from the game if it was an away game, go home for an hour just so his his wife would see him and his kids would see him. And then he would be back at the office at 4.30 in the morning. And then he would call a leadership meeting at 8.30. And then like you could, if you look over and you see his notes that he's written on his iPad, he has pages and pages of stuff. So I would say... Me and and seeing him, I think he's so much of a competitor that he wants to like really prove himself and he wants to prove that he's the best of the best. And I think by doing that, you know, you have to take a a, a USC that's a fractured program that's went whatever they were. I think they were under 500 um, and then take them from that to a, a, a conference championship caliber team. So I think it's the, the competitor in them. Um, and I think obviously, you know, money and the and the lifestyle that that may be an influence as well. But I don't even think he's like a material type of dude. Like he wears, he don't even like wearing Jordans. So I think it, it's that competitive <laughs> that's in him. Because I don't think people realize how much of like how much like a, of a dog he is. I don't, he his commitment to to winning and like the process, like. I mean, obviously, my perspective is limited because I've, I've only I didn't get to to be under others, but like I, I think I respect that a lot about them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna Man. I'm gonna keep my comment regarding that to myself because from the outside Man. in, I see it a different way. But that's that's just my opinion. B, you wanna you wanna interject? Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you about something a little more specific to to kind of your your transition on the defensive side of the ball because yeah. in 2018 there was. You know, definitely some criticism. You know, obviously everyone knows Mike Stoops gets fired right shortly after the Texas game. Uh, didn't go, you know, as planned on the defensive side of the ball. And McNeil takes over. Uh, he goes right. through the rest of the season, right? And then, out, yeah, Coach Ruff. And then um, then Grinch comes in in 2019. And you guys had had some success. I mean, people's memories are very short. But the right, 2019 right. defense was a, especially you guys had a few, you know, kind of rough patches late in the year, but that defense by and large was a, was a really solid defense. When you yeah. just look at the numbers and stack it up, what was that 18 to 19 transition like? And why do you think you all were able to see a guy like Kenneth Murray really grow into what he became that season? Right. And Neville Gallimore, same kind of deal. What do you think was, was the catalyst or the reason for for the, the change and improvement? So I think because uh, I'm I'm like because I, I think sometimes people on the outside, they don't understand the game of football because Coach Riley came in as an offensive coordinator. And I believe 16, 16, I believe yep. 15 or 16. So you have a way higher tempo offense. And what comes with that is more possessions of the game, more changes of possessions, shorter individual possessions. So offense, the, the, the average time that they they had the ball may be, still be 30 minutes of the game, but that was 12 possessions as opposed to traditionally eight. So what comes with that is a more tired defense, 
more dynamic plays, so forth and so on. So a lot of times people don't understand that because if you look at pro-style football, it's structured in that manner to take time off the clock, keep the snap count low. Uh, If you do get a three and out or get stopped on the third down, you flip the field at minimum, you put the defense on the long field. So like people want to get mad at Mike, but they also don't understand things because, you know, a lot of people look at Alabama and Nick Saban as if there's nothing wrong with that program. Well, look at look at Alabama's defense since they started running a higher tempo offense. They're giving up way more points, giving up way more passing yards, way more touchdowns. The uh, points allowed has skyrocketed. So people don't understand that there's pros and cons of every single offense that you run. The pro style is is very, very boring, but it's effective in that respect because it keeps the points lower traditionally, keeps the yardage lower. But if you run a high-tempo, high-powered offense that's dynamic, you're going to have, have higher-scoring games, and it's a byproduct of that because you just have, you look at the numbers of it. And I think sometimes fans, they don't understand. They've never been it's never been explained to them in that respect. So I say that because Mike got a lot of flack, but like don't forget what Mike has done, like what Mike didn't accomplish. You know what I mean? Like Mike isn't a bad defensive coordinator. All of a sudden, it's like the game of football is changing, it's, it's adapted. So let me say that I had to say that first because like I, I'm loyal, like I said, I'm loyal to death. So whenever people say stuff about Mike, that that kind of like that that drives me in a sense. But in terms of what Coach Grinch did, I think the defense was very, very simple. Uh, you know, defensive line, you're moving up front. Uh, and the linebackers, you're going downhill. So, like, K-9 is is going downhill, and he's, he's sideline to sideline. And I think he did a, a damn good job of that. Brian Osamoa did a damn good job of that. Um, you know, Caleb, for the time that he was healthy, he did a damn good job of it, D-White. And I think he he did a great job of that. You know, the defense was very, very simple. It was minimal thinking. You, had, you were able to play fast. You knew your assignment. And then everything was accounted for. Every motion was accounted for. Every gap was accounted for. So the faults that we had in coach defense or the dynamic plays, like they were contributed to like one person, like failing at their assignment or missing a tackle, whatever the case is, um, as opposed to, you know, maybe other defenses where you can get out schemed or out coached or whatever the case is. If a, if a, if a, you know, offense, they bring two front side through pulling, through pulling a, a guard and a tackle or through pulling a guard and, a, and an offensive uh, or and a tight end, you know, that was accounted for. We were getting two, two front side as well, whether that's the safety or, or backer. So I would say that's what Coach Grinch did. And then I thought he brought a really good mentality. And I think that's the biggest thing that um, Coach Grinch probably gave the program was the, the mentality and the mindset that we needed to be successful, the extreme ownership uh, perspective to have on life. And I think he just did a really good job of like developing us as men uh, outside the game of football. Man, so you personally, right? Because I think fans look back and say that, you know, you know, Pat Fields, he was really critical to to the success you guys did have as a defense, right? 19, 20, 21 and and I do want to ask you about 20 here in a little bit but your performance in in that defense in that scheme how do you feel um your I don't want to say your your legacy is viewed but what well, what mark do you feel like you were able to make as a player as a teammate uh with those guys you were around um, I, I say probably the biggest thing that I, I would be known as is like I always move with integrity and like mm. 
I always move with integrity and I was like loyal, loyal to death. Like, um, and I, I, I think the biggest thing you always got to point out with like loyalty is like, no matter any, any person, coach, player, whatever it is, whatever we did together, whether it was right or wrong, like whether you were in the wrong in that particular situation, like I'm like loyal to you that, that I'm going to protect you through like whatever it is. Like in private, we can have conversations about that. So I would say that's kind of how I moved. And then just like with, with strong integrity, like I never did anything faulty. You know, I always, you know, was the dude who who was on the P's and Q's, like toes behind the line a, a hundred times, always touched the line, you know, never cut corners, never did any of that. So, I, and then I think, you know, I tried to, my best to be a great leader, um, obviously, and I'm critical of myself. And I, I invested a lot into the program, you know, try to get guys together, try to do, you know, team events, little cookouts and invite the DBs over and look out for the guys. And I just, and I still got a good relationship with dudes. You know, if I come back, you know, take guys out to eat, look out for them, give guys, you know, free game, help guys outside of life, um, help guys, you know, biblically trying to lead guys to Christ and all that. Mm. So I don't, I don't know. I, I I don't really look at myself as like have done too much. So I don't I don't know what to say to that regards. But I think I just try to move with integrity and and I was loyal. Let me say something to that. I want I want to uh, interpret what I think that means because we have some younger guys who listen to this, high school kids, current college kids, whatever. And, and by the way, a ton of thirty to fifty year old sooner crazy. It's just FYI, Pat. A ton of those guys. So you know, you're gonna get some grown men. <laughs> a lot i think that's our highest demographic but the way i capture that and it's very interesting because the the, the story is parallel in so many ways Pat leveraged the scholarship to make sure he got the most out of it and didn't yeah. just turn into someone who was a a, a a product of the system that is a football scholarship and may have been spitted out or thrown to the side or made it excuses or demonized or victimized themselves at the end of the day it's a two-way contract and it's, I mean, based upon merit, bro, you played a ton, you played in some big games, you won championships, you got two degrees, which again, if you didn't, if them degrees didn't come, it would have been, I don't even know if we having this conversation because you were sooner <laughs> for life. You got the degree, you played the game. That's important to me, but also you leverage that into parlaying another opportunity. I don't think when you made the decision to transfer, I don't think there was one fan who felt like you were doing the program a disservice because you were, you had exhausted your ability to, you know, I mean, obviously you could have probably earned another degree at OU, but you had the opportunity to go on to a place in the likes of Stanford and, and do the same there while also playing football. And to that, I tip my hat. I definitely uh, salute you for that, bro, because that's a big deal. And there aren't enough stories or narratives around, especially young African-American men who come from inner inner cities. I don't know your upbringing in terms of sounds to me like mom and dad did a phenomenal job in that regard. But like you didn't make an excuse for yourself. You found solutions. And, and, you know, big bro, looking at the lens of, you know, our guys taking advantage of the opportunity that OU legit provides Nothing but space, bro. Like that for me is is an attractive trait. That's why I gravitate towards, you know what I'm saying? Developing this relationship and asking you on the pod. By the way, asking you some tough questions. I asked some tough questions. I wasn't going to let Barry ask them questions. We both soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both soon. So, you know, I want you to know, you know, in love, we we keep it a buck, but also we, we, we have a, a lot of respect. And so, in that, I want to transition here a little man, a little bro, little man. Um, hey, by the way, he's bigger than me, Barry. Barry, 
Not as well. Just FYI, <laughs> he, he looked good. <laughs> he definitely looks good. Now, Pat, if you're going to say something, I'm going to ask you real quick. Differences between OU and, and Stanford, right? We're talking about a blue blood versus an academic, you know, powerhouse. And and obviously Stanford's had some good some good seasons. And I, I told right. I told uh, I told Pat this uh, when when we went to dinner the other night. But my head, the head David Shaw, is alumni to my high school. Um, and, and, you know, now that he, now let me tell you, he was not a dude in high school. We, he, he, he's in our hall of fame for his exploits after Kyle or after high school. But when, when he went to James Logan, which is a school we all went to, he was just a guy, um, <laughs> a jag is, I guess is what we would call him. Um, so, so talk about that, Pat, you know, you obviously spent a, a full year in Stanford. I mean, obviously we assume you had a phenomenal academic expense experience, Talk yeah. to me about the football. You know, so obviously you and I have talked about it, but I think the Sooner Nation would be interested to know what life as a Sooner versus life as a Cardinal, uh, a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was first, first, I think going there gave me a greater appreciation for like the University of Oklahoma because, like, like there, there's a few things that I attribute like uh, who I am to in life for, you know, like God, my, my family, and then. Like another one that I take like strong pride in now is like the University of Oklahoma because I got like that was like the hardest four years of my life. Like I did 161 hours of school in four years while doing everything I did football while like, you know, still trying to do community service and whatnot. So like the amount of stress that I like underwent every single day, like made me who I am. And I think the amount of stress that you're put through at Oklahoma, it makes, it's why the program is the way way it is. Like, if you just go to a summer workout, and obviously, obviously like, you know, th- there's bias to, to like, who who's like the top coaches at this time or, or through the history of the program, but nobody can ever take away, like, the university operates at a certain level. Now, I think some people have taken that to, to another level, which create national championships, but... You go through a summer workout, dude. It's like you literally don't know if you can like make it, and just constantly put through these 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 scenarios of artificial adversity, like not feeling like you're gonna make it, not feeling like don't, not even gonna know if your body's gonna shut down on you, and then like you know, you know, Coach Grimms comes in and tells you like if you fail a class, if you fall behind or whatever it is, like you gotta be up there at 6 a.m. and then you got meetings that start at 6 45 like just going through all that stuff it, it wires you a certain way and like you carry yourself to like the highest standard in life and like you won't accept anything below it um which is like a good and a bad thing because like now when i'm with my family you know i want them to do stuff a little bit better than what they do but just like as a person like i'm not i'm never gonna like not hold the door open for somebody or like not pick up a piece of trash just like small stuff so i can't t- i could speak like days and days about the university of oklahoma and why it made me the person i am and i'll say the the, the difference between them and stanford um the greatest thing that i was able to learn at stanford was like the game of football uh from a conceptual side you know coach shaw is very very intelligent high football iq my my DB coach, Coach Akina, he's an historic DB coach, coached multiple Thorpe winners. I learned way more about the game of football in, in honest terms. Um, I learned about different types of offenses. I learned about the reads that a quarterback goes through. I learned about gap schemes. I learned about routes, spacing, alignments, so forth and so on. So I, 
Because I even when I was at OU, I was kind of like already cheating the game at the end in the sense that like I didn't have to use my athleticism as much. Like I could, I knew what to anticipate and what was coming so I could play. I didn't have to use my body as much to make plays, which helped out because I, I didn't have two damn hernias and like two torn groins. So, um, but I would say that that was like one of the bigger differences. But the, the standard and the way that Oklahoma does things, it's, just, it's unparalleled. The only other people that you could throw up there, because if you talk about just greatest programs of all time, I'm biased, obviously, but like, you know, whenever people talk to me about like even the season going six and seven, like you can't forget history. Like, dude, we just came off of uh, six straight conference championships and it ended in 21. Mm. So like my worst season in four years at Oklahoma was 11 and two. Mm. So and like, you know, people want to talk to me about stuff. It's like, nah, I I don't know, man. I, I, I can get passionate and fired up about that. So let me chill out. But nah, you good, bro. I'm right there <laughs> with you. You got me messed up. If anybody think they can fade us, by the way, Bama, y'all cute today. If we counted all our paper championships, we'd have like 16 too. So we only count the real daddies. I'm with you, Pat. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Cause y'all like, did a lot of great things. Y'all won a ton of games. Y'all put up a bunch of points. Y'all, y'all made it happen. Um, and that's nothing. That's nothing to be shameful or or not. Okay, man. And I'll say the biggest the biggest thing that always frust- frustrates me is people want to minimize the difficulty of winning. Like you know, you you say like, oh, you got talent, you got this player, you got this coach, or whatever. Like, tell me how that worked out for the 76ers. Like they had James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. Tell me how that worked out for them. The and Nets. Like, I want to correct the Nets. The Nets. The Nets. Oh, or the yeah, Nets. yeah, the, the Nets. The Nets. You know what I mean? But like. Yeah. I, People who have never won and never won consistently, they always want to minimize winning. You know what I mean? They always want to minimize what it takes, the fire that you go through, the adversity that you go through and all that. So I, I get fired up about that type of stuff because like, people always want to say, but you had more talent, but you had this, whatever. Like, bro, we literally put in so much work and we invested so much into the into the game of football. Like, you didn't do that with anything else in life. Like, you never worked at and this is like me speaking to people on the outside, like people yeah. never worked that hard in school. People never worked that hard at their jobs, whatever the case is. So whenever people want to minimize like us winning because we, we maybe had this recruiting class, we had this culture, this player. I don't know, man. I, I, I can't, I can't get behind that. So I'm like passionate about that stuff. So. <laughs> Remember this winners focus on winning. Everybody else talks about it. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. Winners focus on winning and everybody else is on the side. And by the way, congratulations, Pat. You and I are both everybody else. <laughs> We're both fans. <laughs> our plan days are over. Man. So, and that's hard to write. But you know what? I now win in life. I translated yeah. the winning I learned from Schmitty and Bob and the crew that coached me 22 years ago. I now leverage that in my professional life, my personal life, my my my, my life being a dad so on and so forth and it absolutely will carry on in life right man P- pat and, and, that's kind of man, a, oh, go ahead go ahead my fault one, one other thing i'll say because like a lot of times people focus on like the football department in terms of what makes the university uh it but also we gotta we gotta shed light and and give respects and kudos to like joe say you know our, our ad because 
Like Josie, Josie is the best AD in 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 college athletics, and he put together a monster team of people, a monster team of coaches, and he's always strategic and one step ahead. So he, he has to give light light and credit shine to. Um, and then I think the next person or the next groups of people, like or at least my experience, like I went to I went to OU at the same time that like Coach Gasso was there. And softball is like rocking two two back to back national championships. So you not only have leaders and legacies, legacy coaches that you're learning from in the game of football, but like I went to school with like at the time the greatest softball head coach of all time was also there. So like you're getting leadership and and you're seeing greatness from different lens through women's gymnastics, through Maggie Nichols and, and all that they accomplished, as well as like uh, you know, Oklahoma softball and, and all the other sports that I'm not mentioning. So I would say that's another big thing about going to the University of Oklahoma as well, that like sometimes in this conversation of football, those things don't get brought up. Wow. That's so true. And there is with all of those, you you see people who are successful. Like they have habits and things that they do and that they learn and that they stick with and and they don't um they don't scale that back. There, there's no like, you know, break or hiatus from that. It's this constant um kind of kind of need or desire to to be productive in some way. And I think people I think people do miss that, Pat. I think people don't necessarily understand just the the grind that it takes to do anything really well and then you're you're talking about a level that a large percentage of the population will never understand myself included when it comes to big time college football so so i I think that that point can't go can't go understated i want to ask how that has translated now as as you kind of venture away from football right you're you're now game of life if you will um what do you think that you you can take from that all those experiences and then what are you doing currently uh to help kind of catapult you in into the success that you know we all think and assume you're going to have um but what well, what has that been like what things are you are you using or utilizing yeah i i say probably just a lot of the the mentality and the mindset that was that was um that was, you know, taught to me about my coaches. Like, one, one, there's a couple things, couple quotes that I have always stuck out to me, um, and this is one that's been recycled that Coach Grinch uh, gave us. But it's like you're only successful in the moment that you perform a successful act. So, you know that that help gives you perspective because you you always have to stay humble. You're only successful in that particular moment, and success isn't and nobody's entitled to success. So you you have to keep on doing focus on the process and the things that lead to success. And then another one is like, you know, sometimes hard work pays off and sometimes hard work is just hard work. And a lot of people in life, they can never accept that one. And that's why, and a lot of people, they end up, you know, quitting and falling short of their, of their dreams because they're not willing to accept sometimes hard work is just hard work and the the results may just not come. Um, So I, I would say those are the two, two of the biggest, two of the biggest quotes. And then, um, just kind of like the ability to win at all costs, like going through like the workouts and, and, and you know, D-Man can talk to it, going through like the stuff that we went through, like there's nothing in life that I feel like I can't do. Um, 
whatever job it is that I have or whatever situation I get put out, if I'm in a dog fight and I got to climb up from like the, the, the very bottoms, like, you know, you just, you, you tie yourself up and you get ready to go. And I think those are probably the two, two biggest things that, um, that blue collar mentality. I think that's probably like the, the thing that I carry the most. And obviously I have like the soft side of things. Cause you know, I, I did well academically. So I understand the soft, the soft skills, leadership, communication and all that, but like that blue collar mindset, true blue collar mindset. Cause a lot of people try to throw around tags and this, this is me getting passionate again. A lot of people try to throw around tags and phrases and, 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 you know, tag them to too many different things, but you know, that true blue collar mindset, that that's what I like the most. Where in in the next four to six years, well, what are we going to see? What do you want to see out of yourself? So I think first one, just man of God and man of God. I say that because it's like your development as a person, like you become spiritually mature. So you're able to be probably in four to six years that I'll be a father, you know, married, um, being a great husband you know, being a great head of my household, you know, taking care of my children, having that great structure, um, being a good family man, making sure my family is, is taken care of. And then after that, you know, being, you know, financially stable and in a position to make impact, uh, giving back through, you know, the things that I'm already doing. And then hopefully being in a position where I can have, or no, I, I'm not going to say hopefully, because I, I, I do believe, Lord willing, I'll be in this position. Um be able to make an impact on the university, you know, donating to the athletic program and coming back and, and helping out in any way I can. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't want to say too much about like money stuff or whatever, because like sure. money, money is just a tool, but just being able to being able to to use that tool for philanthropic impact and then as well as to, you know, impact communities and, and the university and all that. So let me hit the other side of it. Give me your biggest on-field achievement, experience, and or memory. I'm interested to know you played a ton of games. You played in big games. What is your favorite or most memorable on-field achievement, memory, and or experience? Uh, memory. Achievements. That Achievements, any of that stuff, that, that doesn't matter. Memories, though, there's too many. It's just – it's one. It's, you the, went through a master's okay, program. Okay, okay. You know how to be intentional. Give me one. I did a master's, too. Consolidate and give me the one. Separate the others out and say, "Boom, Mackie." If I had to pick one out of the seven, this is the one, and then tell me why. I say my last, my last game, um, the Alamo okay. Bowl, just because, like, I don't know. I felt like that was kind of like the ultimate victory moment for me. Like, like, I, cause I, I don't, I don't think people understand. Like, I woke up at, I woke up at like six a.m. I leave the lot and I leave the library to head home at like eight forty-five, and I did that for like damn near four years straight so like the moment whenever I like finished the OU like we won the bowl game like coach Stoops came and all the emotions that was brought out by that and like knowing I was gonna get off there get off the field and like go to Stanford to to challenge myself in a different way that was kind of like the ultimate moment of all my hard work and like feeling like I really accomplished something that that was just like a sentimental moment to me and then just like going out the right way with, with my brothers, like, you know, Trub, uh, Delay and Turner Yell, you know, my dog for life, you know, Jordan, uh, CK, Caleb, B-Me, just all those guys. So uh, 
that that was that was like my favorite moment. But obviously the championships can't minimize those. It's there's too many great moments to to list out, but I'll say that one. And also, I'm, I'm gonna add another one. 2019, whenever it was our first year with Grinch, and we played Texas, like we we ran the boys. I think we had nine sacks and 15 TFL. By the way, first play the game defense was fun as hell to watch. I did. Let's not minimize that. That that yeah. 19. By the way, is that is that Perk? Is that Perkins? Perk. So Perk. that that was K9. K9 was the show that year. Perk was 2020. Okay. But like, but Perk, but Perkin was was on that team as a puppy. Yeah, though. definitely, definitely, definitely. Perk was, was the alpha dog, and then White was the puppy at the backer position, right? Right, right. Yeah. right. And then you, you, the Chubb. That, 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 who was the other safety with you? Chubb, uh, Delarian Tunia. Oh, you call him Chubb? Okay, so DT. No, nah, we call him Trouble. Who were the corners? Uh, that year it was TB Trey Brown and uh, P. Oh. Mont- Cornell Motley. Oh, and then we had Lil Jaden Davis too. Okay, uh, he was a puppy. He got a pick six his first game. I'll never forget that as a freshman, as a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. Yeah, versus South he Dakota. He got a pick. Okay, that's right. And then uh, your backers were K nine, D White, and uh, who was that? Was that uh, was that Obo? Was Obo in the league? Nah, Obo was gone. So that was like Nick Benito. He started coming along. Okay, that John Michael okay. Terry. We had Neville Gallimore up front. Okay. Yeah, oh, have, yeah, yeah, yeah. That defense was good. I like that defense. That was a yeah. fun defense. Bro, go, go go, quit on that 2019 game versus Texas. First play of the game, they in a two-back set. They throw a little bubble to to uh, Devin Duvernay. Trouble come down. Hit him. Chop him down. TFL. First play of the game. Second one. They throw. They try to do it. They try to get the ball back to Duvernay. K, they line up at empty or whatever and try to run a, a little screen. K and I come close line the dude. Take him out the air. Set that second down. Third down, we run a stunt. Nev gets home, hits the pressure, three and out. Oh, you Texas speed D. I love it. I love it, dude. I love it, bro. I love it. And that's He's a sooner, how, ladies and gentlemen. He's a then, sooner, ladies and gentlemen. And then you know, we brought the little safety pressure right safety pressure right before halftime. Your your boy, your boy Pat got home on one. I ain't even <laughs> oh, we gotta go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I ain't know how to celebrate either. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, bro. I I love it, dude. I love it, bro. As we uh, sign off here, you got anything, you know, OU just kind of went through a little bit of a down season to, you know, considering the standard you guys were, were playing at. Uh, you got anything that you would say to Sooner Nation in terms of the future, this next coming season, um, anything like that? Time, time is the greatest exposure. And I, time is the greatest exposure. And I say this with confidence because, like, the university won't fail. And it, it you know, even if there's rough patches or whatever the case is, the university will never fail. And it, it's always a championship program. So, like, if you have any questions or doubts or whatever it is about the future of the program, time's the greatest exposure and let it play itself out. Because I, I guarantee you, with 100% confidence, 1,000% confidence, the program is going to continue to be a championship level of a program and, and keep on continuing the tradition and legacy that it is. So... Time's the greatest exposure. Let it play itself out. And I, I guarantee you that the, at the end of the next decade, OU's going to sit at the exact same place that it does in terms of the national, the greatest programs of all time.